Welcome to the Jack Weston MCAT Podcast with your host, Phil Hawkins. And Asai Calderon Muñiz. All right, guys. We're talking about reviewing today. And those of you who have listened to the podcast know that this is something that we feel very strongly about. Um, Like if there's one thing that students don't do that they should be doing or don't do well enough, it's probably reviewing is the one thing that like if I could just wave a wand and make students try a little bit harder on one aspect, like reviewing is probably that. And so we're going to spend today kind of talking about a very thorough we're going to do a very thorough review of reviewing um, and talk about how best to kind of approach this, how to make sure that you are increasing your score between exams as much as you possibly can, um, because that's ultimately kind of like the point of this, right? That's why we do practice exams. That's why we do reviews is to work on that. Um, and I definitely want to like emphasize, like I would rather personally have ones, have a student do like five exams and review them very, very thoroughly than I would have a student do 15 exams and just kind of halfway review them. The reviewing is where the growth occurs. And so we're going to do a pretty deep dive to that today. Yeah, I love that you said that it's probably one of the things that students don't do well and perhaps the single most thing that students students Mm -hmm. don't do well. And I feel like students are really great at doing practice questions in the sense of like, okay, I'm just going to sit down and do do practice questions. But Mm -hmm. you can do, like you said, all the practice questions you want. But if you're not reviewing, you're not going to improve. And I say this all the time, right? But a weakness is a strength you haven't cultivated yet. For you to cultivate it and for you to get better and for you to see that improvement, you need to be able to identify those weak spots, right? You need to be able to identify where you have room for growth. And something that, you know, we've we've definitely talked about is like, where do you place after you've reviewed your, your effort, right? Um, in order to grow. And so those are all things that we're going to be chatting about today. But I think it's really important to step back for a moment and realize that what we're going to be talking about is thinking about how you think. At the mm-hmm. end of the day, that's the core of what reviewing is, right? Because you're trying to understand where things went well and where things can can improve. So you've got to have that mindset of, all right, when am I going to, to review as well, right? And I think we've talked about this fairly recently. You don't want to review your exam a week later. That's not helpful. You are going to have forgotten how you were thinking. And therefore, all of what we're going to talk about is going to be a lot harder to do. And so you want to review fairly quickly after after your exam. If you can, you know, do it the next day, that would be fantastic. I personally tell students, don't try and sit down and review the same day because you are exhausted. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, you may want to, you know, get that out of the way, but you just spend all of this energy on a roughly eight hour exam you're going to be tired. And so the review, the quality of the review you're going to do will be lower than if you were start reviewing the next day. Right. So that's also something to to keep in mind, but it's really about, yeah, go ahead. No, no, you're right. Like that budgeting time for reviewing and don't try to shortchange it. Right. There's a lot of students that will say, I'm going to take an an exam and I'm going to review it afterwards. I'm like, no, that's going to lead to you being tired and trying to be done quickly because Mm -hmm. it's just been a long day. Um, it definitely should take you longer to review the exam than it yep. takes to take the exam, especially at the beginning. It mm-hmm. is not unusual for students, like to, if they're doing it properly, to spend 12 hours reviewing an exam yeah. or 16, especially if it's an early one. Um, I really like what you 
you mentioned that like students are really good at doing practice questions and kind of like and even studying and like that sort of thing, but they're not very good at reviewing. And this is this is something like it didn't even occur to me until you were saying it. But like, of course, of course, that's the way that it works, because I'm, I'm getting on my soapbox again about the education system. Yeah, um, like in undergrad, you study, you do practice questions, you do homework. Yeah. But when's the last time your physics teacher said, here's a practice exam, go all the yeah. way through it and then review it and then like do it again. And then, and then like two weeks from now, I'm going to give you the actual exam, right? Like that doesn't happen in undergrad, right? Not nearly yeah. as often as just like homework gets assigned. And so I think that a lot of students through this like training and conditioning that students go through in undergrad kind of find themselves really good at certain things like studying, like uh, doing practice questions, doing homework, right? Doing flashcards. Students are pretty good about those things. The reviewing thing, they're like usually needs a little bit more emphasis and a little bit more kind of tweaking going through that. Yeah. And we're, I don't think it's a secret that a, in med school, you will have exams, right? Or that I, I talk openly about my exams, but also that um, we want to make sure that you are set up for success, not just on the MCAT, but also in your transition to medical school and during medical school. This becomes super important for your exams, for your clinical exams, you know, thinking thinking outside of the preclinical, right, where you're just in class. Once you start working in, in the hospital um, and you're taking those exams and after you finish that year, you're going to do practice exams before the real deal. And so having the ability to review the way we're going to be talking about will help you not just for the MCAT, but in the long run, in the next couple of years. And so you want to make sure that you have this, this understanding about metacognition, right, thinking about thinking. Um, and it ultimately comes down to, in the case of, of the MCAT, how was I thinking about it versus how did the AAMC think about it? How do they want me to think about it, right? And where the difference is, that's where you're going to work on, right? That's where you're going to improve. Because yes, so this means reading the AAMC's explanation. That said, they're not always the best, mm -hmm. right? Which is part of why we've, we've created a uh, Chrome extension for free for students where we go into more detail. But it's not just about, okay, what content was there or what is here at face value, but also trying to make those connections of how was I supposed to approach the question versus how did I actually approach it? And so this is why, again, it's so important to review very soon after you test um, and having, you know, this is not the kind of thing you want to do after a really long day. This is the kind of thing you want to do when you are a little bit, when you have a little bit more clarity and more mental energy, because you're going to have to think back to, okay, how was I thinking? But if you're just exhausted at the end of the day, you're trying to cram this in, um, it's not going to work as well. Yeah. One of one of my most successful students that I've ever had that I like worked with, most successful in terms of increasing a score in a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, and this kind of goes back to kind of like understanding the way people are trained. Um, this this student was someone who was a semi-professional golfer. And so like before he took the MCAT, like he traveled around the U.S. and competed in golf tournaments. And I think that there's something about like athletes 
actually do have to do reviews of what they're doing. It's like, what was I doing and what should I have done? And like, what was I doing and what should mm-hmm. I have done? And that process kind of like throughout sports, like I think kind of like permeated his way of approaching mm-hmm. the MCAT. And so the student um, that I had had a 24 point increase in like about two months um, going through there. And so it was like a really crazy like increase. Mm-hmm. What he did is every single question that he did, he would write down, this was my thought process. This is what the AAMC wanted me to think. And he w- he did that for like thousands of questions. He went through like, this is what I was thinking. This is how I should have thought. This is what I was thinking. This is how I should have thought. And a lot of times that stuff lined up but still going through that that motion of thinking and like, oh, I like it, 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 he wasn't so much reviewing whether or not he got questions correct. He was reviewing, mm-hmm. was I approaching this correctly? Right. And there are times on the MCAT that you can get correct answers with correctly. with like a, a different thought process than what the AAMC wanted you to do. Um, there's lots of times where students just like, oh, I was thinking this and I pick B, but like that was a completely like wrong reasoning path. That's that's something that happens. And like you still got the right answer. There's also times, and this is something you can do on the MCAT, where there's like two or three ways to solve a question. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like to use the example of like, if they ask you about the density of blood and they give you all this information in the passage and what the AAMC wanted you to do was use equations for buoyancy to figure out the density of blood. But if you just go into this and you know, like, ah, blood's pretty much just water and I know the density of water. So the answer is B. Um, Like that is that is a correct reasoning, right? Like that's not that you were thinking incorrectly, but you need to make sure after you finish that question, even if you got it right, like figure out like, okay, I got the question correct. I had correct reasoning, but here's how the AMC wanted me to think about this, Um, because ultimately you want to make sure that you are answering that you're on the same page as the AMC so that when you see a question, you're like, I know what they want me to do. And that is that is something that I think goes um, underappreciated. I think a lot of times students who taking or like studying for the MCAT, you take a lot of practice tests and it becomes really obvious that sometimes it's just hard to know, like, what are they asking me? Right. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the challenge goes. And so if you stop and ask yourself after every single question when you're reviewing, how was I supposed to approach this? And maybe there's more than one way to solve this, but just making sure that your thinking aligns with how the AMC wanted you to think. Yeah. And there's, uh, okay. So <laughs> there's a lot I, I want to say about this. Um, I know there are going to be people listening and they're just going to say, okay, I don't have the time to write down mm-hmm. every single thought, you know, that I had and every single way that the AMC wanted me to think. This does not mean write a full sentence. This does not mean write a full paragraph, right? You can create shorthand. You can create a system where you're able to write that information down very quickly. So for example, if it was that use the wrong equation, right? You don't need to to fully write out, okay, you know, I used this equation because I thought about this particular thing because of this, because of that. You know, you can say, okay, uh, incorrect equation and then write down the one that it was supposed to be. Um, So that it doesn't have to be as exhausting <laughs> as writing, you know, right. uh, an in- you don't want to rewrite the exam. 
Yeah, you don't have to write paragraphs. But exactly. for that example I gave before, you could just write, like, my thought process was blood is similar to water. Exactly. What I should have done, buoyancy. Right. Exactly. Like, that's like you use like six words to describe mm-hmm. what you were thinking and what you should have thought. And like, but taking that moment to review that is important. Yeah. The other thing is this also, and, and this is, I think, um, also underappreciated benefit of this. If you've done all this work, right, and you get to a question on test day, and let's say that it is on something that, you know, you have forgotten by this point. If you recognize, oh, this is what they want me to think. Oh, snap. I I don't actually remember this. Mm-hmm. Flag it. Come back to it. You just saved yourself time. And now you have, and I think people don't realize this. If yeah. you understand how they want you to think and you can pick up on it and you're like, okay, I know that this is, this is something I'm going to have to think about for a couple, you know, for, for a little bit, I can note, I'm going to come back to it. And so you've just improved your timing and your accuracy. Because now, instead of spending all that time on one question, trying to dig in your mind, okay, what what do I need to know? What you know? What are they thinking, etc.? You've just gotten to more questions, and you're getting to more questions that you will get correct. Mm-hmm. And so this has downstream benefits, not just in the moment for this next exam, but on test day. And when you continue to think about, okay, how is the AMC thinking? You're going to be able to recognize where where you can improve right on future exams but also be mindful and judicious with your time on testing yeah that's that's a really big deal mm-hmm. i honestly think that most students who struggle with timing this is their problem that they see a question they're not sure what to do with it so they Accuracy, spend yeah. like three or four or five minutes working mm-hmm. on this one question because they're not sure what to do and they're just trying to figure it out and like maybe they do figure it out but like because you spent so much time on this one question, you don't get to the last passage. Yep. And so you just missed like five questions because you it, you didn't pick up super quickly what the AAMC wanted you to do. Um, and that's that's a really big deal. That's a big added benefit of this. So like not only does doing this lead to, first off, helping you align your thinking to the AMC so you're getting more questions correct, but it also makes you way faster. So those of you who are struggling with timing, this is something that is you you want to emphasize and i want to i just want to reemphasize like that student who got the 24 point increase he did like five exams over two months like he did not do a ton of exams right um but what he did do like he just reviewed very thoroughly so by the time he showed up on test day he like i i know how the amc thinks i know what they want me to do with this um and that's a really really big deal Yeah. And I think you mentioned this somewhat offhandedly, but when you're reviewing, you're not just reviewing the questions you got wrong. You're reviewing the questions that you got correct as well. For For those reasons that, Phil, you were talking about, you either got it correct because you just flat out guessed. You got it correct because used entirely wrong <laughs> reasoning. Mm-hmm. I am guilty of that sometimes mm-hmm. on my on my practice questions. I'm like, oh yeah, it's this answer. And then I read the explanation. I'm like, oh, that's I how I was supposed yeah. to think about it. <laughs> um, or maybe you found a different way of approaching the question correctly, right? And so when you're reviewing, you should be looking at every single question. Now, if you get a question correct for the correct reasoning, that review is going to be faster. 
So you're not going to spend as much time, right? You'll read the explanation. You're like, okay, I'm good. This is the correct reasoning. But for any of the other ones, you want to make sure that you slow down and that you're doing that full assessment that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing you want to do is let's say that you did it by one version, right? Or one, one route, consider the other ones and explore those and make sure that you can replicate them because that's an opportunity to answer future questions if your version if your approach or your version of the approach would no longer apply right yeah. um so you want to be able to identify different ways of answering questions whenever possible yeah especially if a question took you a fair amount of time yeah. like if you got the question correct you were thinking correctly let's say it's a calculation that's fairly complex um, this happens a lot where a lot of times there's like a shortcut or a back door to a question. I'm going to keep using the same example for continuity, but like, let's say that question where you're supposed to find the buoyancy or the, the density of blood using the buoyancy equation. And that's how you thought about it. But you like the calculation took you some time. It's really useful to realize, oh, like when you're reviewing, like there's, I actually could have just said, cause B is the one that's closest to water and that's gotta be the right answer because all the other ones are so far away from the density of water. Um, and that there's, there's a quicker way to solve this. This happens a lot that there are more than one ways to solve things, especially in the sciences. Oh, yeah. Um, which is why like in the course, I spend a lot of time saying like, okay, there are three ways to solve this question. Here's the way the AMC wants you to do it. And here's two back doors, right? And so once you do that, you start to, like, that's that's what total mastery looks like, where you see a question like, I know they want me to do this, but I got a faster way and I'll do that. But you want to make sure that you can do the thing that they want you to do, because maybe in another question, that back door might not exist. And so you want to make sure that you have that. Another thing about this, like reviewing correct and incorrect answers is like, especially in psych, but like if you like read a question and you're like, like, obviously this is operant conditioning and I pick A, but I don't know what answer choice C is. I've never seen mm-hmm. that phrase before in your life, right? Like, like I, I know that's not the right answer because I know what the right answer is, but I don't know what this thing is. You need to figure out what that thing is because that thing is going to be an answer to a different kind of question. Um, The AMC doesn't just throw random stuff in there and make things up. And so you want to make sure that even if you got the correct answer and you got the answer through the correct reasoning and like everything was perfect in how you answered that, but one of those answer choices, you weren't sure what it meant. Like you need to spend some time on that. And this is why reviewing takes so long. Mm -hmm. This is also why students don't like to do it, right? Because it's just very time consuming, right? Um, Like even if I got the question correct and I knew how to tackle it, like why do I have to spend like five minutes reviewing and looking up stuff? But like, that's how you grow, right? It's where the growth comes from the reviewing. And so you need to make sure that you are crystal clear on every aspect of this question and you know how to deal with it. You know what all the wrong answers are. You know why they're wrong and then move on to looking at the next question. Yeah, I think part of what can also be super intimidating for students when they're reviewing is they think that they have to have it all done in one sitting. And that's not necessarily the case, right? If you are in school or you are working, you have a family, it is life happens and sometimes you will have to break up practice reviews, right? Mm -hmm. And so one thing that I personally found have found helpful when I am finding that I'm more crunched for time in a given sitting, something that you can do is when you come across something like that, right? Like, oh, I need to review this topic, write it down. 
continue your review because if that one topic in psych right, is not going to affect your review of the other questions, get those done, have a list, and then come and sit down when you have a little bit more time and review the actual topics, right? Yeah. And so That's... you can split it up in different ways in the sense of you can do, you know, a time section, you know, two in one day, two in another, or you can do one, right? If you really don't have the time, or you can split it up between questions and then topics I need to review. Um, but I think that's something that students freak out about that they don't need to freak out about. Yeah. So that's something I know we talked about this in the scheduling uh, episode of the yes. podcast, like creating a study schedule. But, um, you know, watch that if you're confused on how to actually schedule okay. your reviewing. But this is why I like to have students take the exam on a Saturday, review it on Sunday and Monday and like split it up over a couple of days just because I don't want students to rush through this because um, this is where the growth occurs. And so like what what happens at the end of that is you will probably have a list of stuff of like, oh, like I need to study kidneys, right? Because like I noticed that I missed two kidney questions and I didn't really understand that. But like that doesn't mean like in the middle of your review, you have to go spend an hour and a half reviewing kidneys. Exactly. Um, because it's really important that you are that you understand what was I thinking with this question. And so if you if you stop and like review lectures every time you come across something, what happens is all of a sudden you're reviewing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And mm -hmm. by the time you get to Friday, you don't really remember what you were thinking with this question. And yeah. so you want to do a really thorough review, but have like a list of stuff that's like, OK, these are the things that I need to spend time looking over. Yeah. And I think this. This segues really, really well into to some of the other stuff we were planning on talking about. But if you do that, you might start reviewing things that are not as important in terms of weak areas as others. You need to have the time to find those patterns before you just jump into review. And so being able to find those patterns is going to be more helpful. And for that, you need to review the questions. You need to review more than one question before you decide, oh, I'm going to go off into kidneys, right? Because yeah. We use this example all the time. But if, hey, you actually, maybe you got the first question on amino acids correct, but then you got the next three wrong, right? Amino acids is a much higher yield topic. You should actually be reviewing that. But if there is a kidney question, right, between that first amino acid question you got correct and all the other ones you got wrong, you start reviewing kidneys, you've just eaten up a lot of time that could have been used for a much higher yield topic, right? Mm -hmm. So looking for patterns is going to be key. And this comes with, you know, like like we said, it might be certain topics, but it can also be different question types. And so for cars, cars has a soft, I have a soft spot for cars. Um, but for cars, you know, we, we talk about this extensively in the course, but different question subtypes. And this is a conversation that I have pretty often with students um, during office hours in the course. It's like, okay, what what types of questions are you missing and how do we tackle those? Because different question types have different approaches. And the same thing is true for the sciences, right? Especially if, you know, it's a discrete versus a passage based. Is it, you know, questions that require you to go back to the passage and has data in the passage? And this is something I know we talked about when we were doing the sample test passages uh, together. And, you know, or is it something that is a pseudo discrete? You just don't actually even need the passage to answer these questions. So understanding and looking for patterns in topics and questions in the question types is going to be very helpful in deciding, okay, what am I tackling next? 
Yeah. This is um, like the scientist in me is like, we need data, data, mm -hmm. data is your friend, right? Because it helps you understand things better. And so like, if you're reviewing and you missed a question, because you didn't know what antidiuretic hormone does in the kidney, go like study antidiuretic hormone, make sure you understand what it does in the kidney. But if you miss like three kidney questions, like one about the glomerulus and one about like the, the loop of Henley and the countercurrent exchange uh, multiplier, like you don't need to go and just like, if you missed three questions on the kidneys, don't go and just look up those three things. Yeah. Go back and review the kidney, right? Like exactly. you need to look at the entire kidney and do kind of a deeper dive and make sure that you understand all the facets of it. And so this is why like patterns are important. And I really want to hammer, like, I think most students are most students are most comfortable with the idea of like, I have content gaps and finding patterns in that is I think easier for students yeah. versus finding patterns in things like, um, like I continually struggle with data interpretation questions, or I, I struggle with math and I make math errors, right? And, or certain types of questions that exist in the sciences and in cars. This is why we have lectures on types of questions and how to tackle them, right? Or certain types of wrong answer choices, right? I, I don't feel at all ashamed to share this, but when I first started prepping for the MCAT, when I was in cars, I chose out of scope answers all the time. Like that was my biggest thing. And I didn't realize that I'd been studying and working on cars for months. Right. And I like reviewed exams and I like went through this and I had taken multiple exams. And then all of a sudden one day I'm like, I'm just plateauing. It's never increasing in cars, even though I'm putting in a lot of effort. And I went back and I looked at two exams mm. and I figured out, okay, the questions I missed, what type of question were they and what types of wrong answers did I choose? And it was only then, after months of working on cars and having no increases, like I realized 70% of my questions that I missed, I choose an out-of-scope answer. And it's only like these certain types of questions too. And so once I understood that, all of a sudden, the next time I did an exam, I'm like, oh, this is one of those types of questions. Phil, do not choose an out-of-scope answer. Or if I ever found myself, I'm torn between A and C. Well, okay, one of these is probably an out-of-scope answer. I'm like, yes, yeah, C's out-of-scope. A's the answer. And like, it wasn't until I understood what I was doing incorrectly yeah. that I could improve it. And, but like, it was this weird thing where a light bulb went off and just all of a sudden by reviewing and finding those patterns, like for months, my car score did not improve at all. And then I figured this out in the next exam, like over the course of like 24 hours, my next exam went up five points and then kept going up after that because I figured out what my patterns were. And so this is, this is really critical, and this is why we need lots of data and why you want to put time in on reviewing. It could be stamina is a problem. There's a lot of students, especially at the beginning, that they just do bad in psych and bio, and they're making silly mistakes, things that they could have gotten, but they're just tired and burnt out because it's hard to stay sharp for eight hours in a row. Yeah. Um, and so like all of these things are things that you should be looking for. Wrong answer types, question types, certain types of passages, right? Certain topics, certain like stamina, timing, endurance stuff. All of these are things that you need to be paying attention to and looking for um, as you're reviewing, which is that kind of comes like after that. 
is when you work on those things. If your problem is data interpretation stuff, you need to practice on a lot of data interpretation. If your problem is kidneys, go look at kidneys. Your problem is out of scope stuff, <laughs> do some practice questions and say like, <laughs> like I don't care how many questions I miss, but I am not going to choose an out of scope answer. And like, yeah. just like train yourself to never choose an out of scope answer. Yeah, and I want to, so I know you recapped what, what we'd just been talking about, but I, we haven't really talked as much about timing. And I want to pause here and, and say a little bit about this. So oftentimes, and I say this with, with CARS because I do the CARS free trial sessions, I suspect you have many students come to you and say, say the same thing. My issue is timing. They come in with full certainty that their issue is timing. Very rarely is the core issue timing. If you are coming to us anywhere, basically until right up to test day, your chances are your issue isn't actually timing. The reason for this, if and I say this all the time in, in the free trials, if I gave you 24 hours right, to sit down and do the CARS section, you still wouldn't get every single question correct, right? Because you still have issues with you know choosing out of scope answer choices or overthinking or just not having the stamina, right? You don't have stamina for an hour and a half. You're definitely not going to have it for 24 hours. And so there are other things that come up that need to be addressed before timing gets addressed. Improving your accuracy, like we just talked about, knowing how the AMC thinks, knowing where to spend your time, right? And, and on questions that you know you can get correct versus not on questions that you know you would probably miss. That's an accuracy issue, Right. So the timing issue comes up as, OK, I'm spending too much time on questions I will miss, but I'm going to miss them because my accuracy is still lower than it needs to be. And so as you improve your accuracy, as you review those topics, as you review the relationships across topics, which we talk about all of the time, mm -hmm. um, and as you you know learn to incorporate the data interpretation, like you just mentioned, into your into your review, you're naturally going to get faster as you have more confidence in your approach to these questions as you improve your accuracy. And so only after you've done all that kind of heavy work and after you know, you've worked on improving your stamina, should you, should you think, okay, now with timing, I'm tweaking, I'm fine tuning rather than, and I know we've, we've talked about this quite a bit, but you're not going to start driving fast if you don't know how to drive. Mm -hmm. Your foot needs to not be fully on that gas pedal if you don't know how to drive. And so same thing is going to apply here, right? You need to know how to approach the questions before you try and speed through them. Because yeah. otherwise, you'll get to the time where you answer all of them. But then you got to go back, clean up, fix your accuracy. And now your timing is messed up again because now you just change what you were doing. And then you have to address timing again. And it's just not a good use of your time. <laughs> yeah, that's there's also like this is why data is so important, mm -hmm. right? Because there's different uh, flavors of timing problems. Yeah. Um, and this is something that also you need to be working on when you're in this like diagnosing, right? Finding the patterns. Do you, like, here's three different scenarios. But I often have, like, I've had this, I've had students with all three of these timing issues. I've had students who um, just the first passage, they always just put in too much time on that. They put in like 14 minutes on the first passage. And then the second passage, all of a sudden their timing is fine and third and fourth mm -hmm. and fifth. And like their accuracy is also fine. And so like they did pretty much the same on the first passage as they did on the second, even though they spent like 50% more time on that. And so with that, it's something about like students getting into a rhythm, right? Like that, there's something like with this. And so you need to maybe just practice just doing one passage. Like I'm going to sit down and do passage and I'm going to just like 
dive in and like try to be on time with just a single passage. Right. And then like later on in the day, I'm going to do it again. And then later on, I'm going to do it again. And so just kind of like getting into that timing rhythm, because especially with cars, I feel like it takes a little bit of time sometimes for students to fall into the rhythm of the exam. Now, that is very different than a student who is correct in timing on the first one and the second one, but then the third one they spent 20 minutes on, right? And like, where did that time go? Like what happened is there's something about that passage that you just were not comfortable with and not Mm -hmm. confident on and you agonized with. And so maybe it's a certain type of passage, like something about economics or something about history, and you're just not comfortable with this. And so all of a sudden that passage type like you're, you just kind of panic and seize up. Um, I've seen that before. Um, I'll share, like, I personally don't like economics passages. I'm <laughs> like, I don't know why. Like, I would much rather read a passage about this dung beetle than I would about, like, the Hungarian economy. Um, and I'm just less comfortable and less excited to read that. Um, and so I need to practice with those. Practice with those so that you get better on the timing of that sort of thing. A third issue could be maybe it's not a certain passage maybe it's not like a like getting into the rhythm sort of thing maybe it's just certain types of questions or certain topics you see this a lot even in the sciences where students are really good on timing and then all of a sudden one question takes them 6 minutes mm-hmm. and and that's i just had no idea what to do with this question and students get kind of sucked into that um and I think this is also important to like, you know, what we talked about before. The problem there is that you just didn't know how to approach Mm -hmm. that question. That's why it's important to review, like, how am I supposed to think about this? What should I immediately be thinking about when I see a question? Like if they ask about velocity, your first thought should always be kinetic energy. Second thought, kinematics. Um, And like, that's just a, a good kind of rule of thumb. And we talk about this, why in the course and the lectures of this, but there are, like certain things that you need to be like, okay, this is how I approach this sort of thing. And if you come across something like that and you don't know how to deal with it, your time disappears. Could also be like just anytime any electrostatics question pops up, like I lose all my time on that that one question. And that's a topic issue. And so those are those are like three or four very different problems that lead to issues with timing. They all have very different ways to approach them. Um, and this... This is why diagnosing is important. This is why <laughs> reviewing is important. Um, I will always use this analogy. Like if someone comes into the hospital and says, I'm sick, you don't just give them a pill and they're better, right? You got to figure out what the problem is. And that I feel exactly like students, my thought. <laughs> yeah, students <laughs> don't have that same mentality with reviewing because they're not trained to review in their like educational career. Um Versus all of a sudden now the MCAT, which is the huge scope of the thing in medical school, like is going to force you to like learn how to review and learn how to diagnose your weak areas so that then you can work on them, mm-hmm. figure out the problem and then treat it, right? It's the same process here. You need data for this. Just like in medicine, you have to do tests, right? You don't just say like, oh, I got to figure out what's wrong. It's probably the flu. And then like give them like, uh, you know, pills and they're better. Like, you need to like do tests. And so it's the same thing here. Your exams, your practice exams are tests. And that's how you should be reviewing them. 
Yes, they're also good for giving you scores and they're also good for giving you experience and helping you build stamina, but their number one value to you is this is a diagnostic tool to find my weak areas so I can hit them. And that's why you need to emphasize and put so much time into the review portion of this because I know I've said this like four times, but that's where you grow. That's how you treat the issue is Mm -hmm. to diagnose it first. Yeah, two quick thoughts before I forget them. So that way I tell you that I have two. So I remember that I have two. Um, The first is of those three that you mentioned, the taking a really long time on a passage, taking a really long time on a particular question type or passage type, those still come back to accuracy, right? And so Mm -hmm. those become especially important when when you're studying and when you're reviewing for when you're studying, because then you know, okay, I have to give these passage types, this question type, a little bit more love when I'm studying, right? I might have to, um, as I'm practicing, maybe slow down and review as I'm practicing. Whereas with some of the other, um, some of the other issues I might encounter, I can do some more practice and then study or review and then do more, more Mm -hmm. questions. Um, so those are really important things to, to think about. Um, I know you have another thing, but I do want to just take a moment There are people who do have like processing disorders and things like that, in which case you should be trying to get accommodations. I know we've talked about this in the past. And so there are some students that have issues with timing that are a little bit different than we're talking about. And I don't want anyone to feel like that is not a thing. Um, But so I do want to just take a moment, like if that's the problem, then you need to address that as well through a different pathway. Yeah. Um, And I think that I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I know we we've talked about accommodations a couple of times in the past. Um, if if you're someone that has gotten like double, like you know, twice the the amount of time, or you know, your your exams, um, you just have like different different accommodations. Be aware that you may not get the same accommodations for testing. And so you want to get that process started as early as possible because there are a lot of students who get accommodations in undergrad that don't get them or have to work a lot harder to get them through the AMC. And sometimes even when they do get them, it's different, right? So get started on that process now. If you're listening to us and you have a test day selected, now is the time to do it. Um, The other thing is you mentioned that this is essentially, right, a, a the primary purpose of the um, exams as a diagnostic tool. I want to use that to remind students that we have a science topic diagnostic tool on the website for free. So you, if you haven't already, um, you know, figured out what your topic week areas are, that's a fantastic resource to do that. So mm-hmm. it's it's different, right, than the practice questions and what you're going to be doing in the your full length reviews, but it's still really helpful information. Um, and again, you're you're reviewing everything, right? Everything on your exam is and should be reviewed. And so you want to, yes, focus on the granular, get as granular as specific as to why you're missing questions. And then you want to make sure that you take a step back, look at it globally, right? And you're assessing, which I know we've talked to, People are probably tired of hearing us say this, but we cannot say it enough. You're Then you're going to decide, okay, what are my numerically weakest areas? And how does that compare to what's high yield? Mm-hmm. Consider both of those things together after you've done the really specific and the high yield review or the the broader picture review. And that's the key to improving consistently. Yeah. And that's why the exams are good because they're like cross sections. And so naturally yeah. you will see higher yield stuff more often. Mm-hmm. And so 
if you do a passage and you miss one amino question out of the seven and you miss all three kidney questions, like you should look at kidneys, Mm -hmm. right? Because kidneys are uh, affecting your score. Yeah, there were fewer kidney questions, but like you missed more questions because you needed to study kidneys. I also use kidneys constantly as the example because that was my weak area that I'm like, (laughs) I hated the kidneys for some reason. I still Um, struggle with kidneys. It's it's just... just when do you have a nephrologist as a, yeah. as a guest at some point? Um, cause yeah. I want to figure out what's wrong with them because <laughs> who likes the kidneys? Um, so, <laughs> yeah, they're, you know, just trying to like memorize the disorders and things like that and understand like what, you know, what we're, um, like histologically or things like that, like on a microscope. But I remember, I remember feeling that way while studying for the MCAT. I remember feeling that way my first year of, of med school. And yet the nephrologist who taught us, was what seemed like one of the happiest people. And mm-hmm. I think they were the ones, they might've been the one who came in with in a banana costume one, one day for, for class. So, you know, eventually you will find your niche. Yeah. <laughs> you do not have to figure that out now. That, um, that, that but, solves a lot of questions in my head um, about <laughs> who likes, who likes yeah. the kidneys. Um, I say that, I also think it's a part of it is the way that kidneys are taught, at least myself in undergrad. I was and like studying for the MCAT. I was just trying to memorize each region individually. And that is not a good way to deal Mm -hmm. with kidneys versus a zoomed out, like understanding how all of this stuff works together. Um, That's how we teach it in the course, because I think that that sticks way better than the way I was taught, which was like, let's go through, like, let's just memorize each of these stages. Um, there's one more thing I want to talk about here with the reviewing. And a lot of times students focus a lot on the questions, which makes sense because mm-hmm. that's where the points are. But it's also really important for you to review the passages as well. Yeah. And so if there was a part of a passage that you did not understand when you first did the passage, you need to make sure that you understand this passage. Um, there's a lot of times where I will have students, I'll they'll like do a practice exam and they'll say that they reviewed thoroughly. And then I'll give them a, like later on, we'll do another exam. And there's a passage on like exam four that's really similar to a passage in exam one. And they made all the same mistakes. And it wasn't necessarily that like the questions were the same. It's just the, the passage, like certain types of graphs become problems where certain like passages with just tons of enzymes and like flows of like this inhibits this, which stimulates this, which inhibits this thing, which stimulates this, which inhibits this thing. Um, But the whole thing is inhibited by this thing, which also flows through this pathway here and leads to that. Like those sorts of passages also can cause a lot of problems for students. And so maybe there's something about the passage that you need to work on. I also like you should be reviewing Yes, the questions, and yes, reviewing the passage. Go back, go through the passage. If there's any part that you're like, I don't understand what they meant, like the ATP levels were measured spectroscopically. Like, what does that mean? Like, I don't understand that. Like, figure out what that means, because that, honestly, something that shows up in a lot of exams, but it's also something that just the topic of, like, understanding, like, UV vis spectroscopy is something they will ask you questions about that topic. And if you see a question or see that mentioned in a passage, you need to make sure you understand that. Even if they don't ask a question about it, you need to make sure that you understand the passages. But also afterwards, um, you review the questions, you review you review the passage. You also need to step back and look at them together. 
and figure out, okay, they asked about these five things. These are the five questions. What parts of the passage were important for answering those questions? And when I was going through the passage, did I focus on those things like, there's this is a really critically important thing. This is an important thing. And this whole paragraph doesn't seem like it's very useful. And then they don't ask a question about that. That helps you work on your ability to deal with passages. And it, it helps you train yourself as you're going through passages, what's important here. And there are times where there's a passage that like the, the third paragraph, all of the questions come from this paragraph. And there are clues to like, this is the area that's important. And then the other paragraphs are completely useless. And think of how great that would be if you, when you are doing exams, you could look at a passage and be like, none of this matters, but this does. This is the question. And then, or this is the thing that's high yield in this passage. And then they ask three questions about that thing, right? That happens. And the only way to get good at identifying those areas is through that sort of zoomed out review where you look at the questions and the passages holistically and figuring out what's important here. This is why in the course, when like I do videos like breaking down AAMC stuff, like, this is why the reviews of a passage take a while, but, like, I want to make sure that students understand that, like, the moment you see this in a passage, alarm bells should be going off of this is a question. This whole paragraph, completely useless. There are lectures on this in the course of, like, identifying what's important and what isn't. Yeah, and we dabble in this in in case you haven't already watched or listened to the the podcast that we did with the the I think it was two science two chemphys passages for the sample test. We dabble in this. We we talk a little bit about this and how we how we can figure out what's going to be important as we're reading. And that's something else that you want to uh, listen to if you haven't haven't already listened to it. I think there's. Yeah, back back in the fall. I think those can be really helpful as well. Um, hopefully this thorough review of how to review a passage, uh, you're taking it to heart and making sure that you actively participate in, in this podcast and you, uh, after listening to it, you might want to write down some notes from what you remember, from what we covered. And so that way you have them available to you the next time you go to review a passage, especially since as people ramp up studying for, for the exam and uh, come, come spring test dates. <laughs>